Amen. All right, so today we're going to uh, deal a little, with, a little bit about what we've been hearing all over the place. We turn on Victory Channel and they, uh, Pastor Apostle Mize, he talked about it some, and Pastor Rundy's been talking about it. We're going to be talking about embracing your calling today. Um, and some of you may think you're already embracing your calling, but I'm talking about em embracing your full calling, your full calling. Many of us, we um, embrace pieces and parts of what God has given us to do. We, we, we embrace this part, but then when God says this, nah, I don't want to do that. But no, we're going to be talking about today the benefit of embracing your full calling. Amen. So if you would go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, this will be our uh, base uh, passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 through 23. And I'm still, uh, Diamond, I'm still peeking a little bit, I think. I asked Diamond when she put this thing on me, I was like, okay, now you know you're gonna have to turn it up because my voice is not like pastor's. Pastor has a big, resounding, booming voice. I don't have that going on. If you just turn down just a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 through 23. And it reads, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. So um, in the natural, that would probably be, I would say your toe or something, your toe or your feet. That'd be the part of your body that's less honorable. Well, in this scripture, it says the part of your body that's less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our comely parts have, have more abundant comeliness. Nay, much more those members in the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased him? If the whole body were an eye, where the ear, where ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? For the body is not one member, but many. Amen. So I had a, a testimony, a personal testimony that I wanted to share with you. Um, so my daughter, one of my daughters, some time ago had a dream and it was about me. Um, usually it's about other people, you know, very seldom they dream um, about me in the negative. 
But this particular dream was about me. It was in the negative. So she said, um, Mom, I had a dream about you. I said, okay. Um, well, she told her dad, and then I later asked her about it. And the dream was that in, 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 that in the dream that I had dropped dead. Now, you know, in our house, we are prophetic dreamers. So we do not play with dreams. We know that if God gives one of us a dream because of the way that we live in our house, uh, we, our house is set aside for purity and holiness. So we know when uh, anything supernatural is coming through our house, it means something. And so I went to the Lord. I was like, oh, okay. I got so nervous. I was like, okay, God, what does this mean? So he began to talk to me and remind me of some things that he told me in my heart that I knew that I was supposed to do. And what had happened was over the previous year, I had begun to in my heart, you know, and sometimes we do things, um, you know how you say, that was at the front of my, the forefront of my mind, and that was at the back of my mind. So we're, 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 con we're consciously at the forefront of our mind thinking about this, this, and this, and this. But in the back of our, my, my, our minds are these little bitty things. So in the back of my mind, I had been figuring out ways because I had gotten tired of the circumstances associated with me pressing through and doing that thing that God was requiring me to do. I was tired of those circumstances. They felt like my circumstances weren't changing or weren't coming in line. And what it was, was the devil was just fighting me in that area. But I, I got tired of wrestling with that. So I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm just gonna leave that alone. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna do this right here. I'm gonna rest in this area and I'm just not gonna worry about it. And I feel like as long as I'm doing all of this over here, well, then I don't have to do this. Look at your neighbor and say, God does not change his mind. God did not change his mind in that situation just because I did. And he was serious about me doing what I was supposed to be doing. And that dream was a warning and many times, we've heard pastor say many times, um, if you come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and you give your life to him and he gives you something to do and you don't do it, what good are you being here? And we've seen many people, you know, since COVID, like I, <laughs> things have, have amped way up as for an accelerated, and, and things have accelerated because the return of Christ is sooner. There are things going on in the earth and in the world, and Jesus is more now soon to come than ever. And we believe that we're the generation that won't see death. And if that is true, there's a lot to be done. 
So he needs everybody involved doing exactly what it is that God is calling you to do, the way he's calling you to do it, and living the life that's set before you. So, and I, I told that testimony based on Revelations 12, um, Revelations 12, the scripture, it says that I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. So when you focus on that scripture, the, the accuser of the brethren, see, the reason why, and you, you might say, well, well, first lady, you're saved. Why, you wouldn't die. Okay, so we have an accuser of the brethren who's always got his plans on his mind about your life. And if you don't do what God is wanting you to do, if you don't do fully what he's requiring you, you to do, that's disobedience. And that opens the door for the enemy to come in and do what he's accusing you of, his assignment. And so the rest of that says, the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So I decided to not love my life unto death. God is calling for you to not love your life unto death. You got to love life, the life that God has positioned you for, more than this carnal life that you're living down here on earth. What goes on in your everyday life in comparison to what God has for you to do does not matter. Everything in this earth will pass away. It's not lasting. It's fading. But what you do for God is eternal, and it's important. And it's important that we recognize, then we recognize a lot of times day to day, but God is serious about what he wants you to do. Because when you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, it says he's called us a body, joint, uh, fitly joint members. And he's expecting the hands to do their part. He's expecting the feet to do their part. He's expecting the legs to do their part. He's expecting the eyes to do their part. The hair, the head, and all the other parts of the body, the chin and whatever other parts that we think there are comely, whatever he's called you to do, he's expecting you to do it. Because once you come to Christ, you are part of a body. Amen. Amen. And so I got those things back in order <laughs> quickly. <laughs> uh, one of the things that when I was praying, um, he, he, one of the word that, words that he gave me when I was praying about it all, and he, he said, you know, do what I've said lest I give your place to another. That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And I'm not the only one that he's saying that to. I don't believe. Why? Because you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. You're under command. 
We are under command. I likened it, our calling and our fulfilling our call to an umbrella, you know? Um, just think about a really big umbrella that you let up. Well, underneath that umbrella, when, you, when, when it's raining outside and the, the weather is bad, and you open up a really big, you know, they have these little bitty umbrellas, but then they have these big umbrellas. I like the big umbrellas. Because when the wind is blowing, you don't get your hair wet and all that, they cover you up really good. I think of the calling of God as like this big umbrella, and the safety is underneath the umbrella. Uh, your peace, your joy, your contentment, your soundness of mind. If you're not under that umbrella, you have no peace, you have no joy, you have no contentment, you have no soundness of mind, you have the consequences of the devil's punishment for not doing those things, you have lack, you're missing and lacking things, you're looking up and you're finding things missing in your life. But when you're under um, the umbrella of searching out your call, you're in the safety of God, you're in a safe place. Amen. Every decision that you make either speeds you up or slows you down day by day. You got to consciously look at the decisions that you make. Sometimes we think the decisions that we make doesn't really have anything to do with anybody else. So what I do with my life is my business. But if you're a believer, you go back to 1 Corinthians and 12, it says that we are a body. We are connected. We are fitly joined together. So no, what you do in your daily life does not just affect you, it affects all of us. When you decide to do things that you know that you've already been delivered from and you go back to those things, it affects me, the pastor's wife, because we are a body and we are fitly joined together. Praise the Lord. So, you know, well, you know, I was up here and some things was going on. People was cleaning out some things and some things we found out about, how can I say this discreetly? Some ministries just don't do what's right. I'll just say that. And I'm so grateful for our pastor. You know, he, he preaches hard, he teaches hard, he's hard on us. But that teaching, I'm telling you, that's what delivers your soul from hell. Amen. Amen. It delivers us from hell and from bondage. And it frees us up to do what we've been connected together to do. And the reason I started talking about the other ministries that, that, that don't do right, you know, it gives, it gives the body of Christ a bad name. That's, that's, why, that's why when, when, um, when Pastor was going around to the different banks and trying to get a loan for the church and the people were reluctant, because the church, the people in the church have given the church a bad name. And it's because of all of the mischief 
that the pastors and the people that work under the pastors have done. And it, it, it makes me angry. It bothers me. I don't, I don't like it. We're not representing the body of Christ well, a lot of us. Those in leadership that are supposed to be trusted, they're not representing the body of Christ well. But we are under a pastor that is trying to help us represent the body of Christ well. He's not stealing the money. He's not running the women in the church. He's not abusing the kids. So since he is that kind of pastor, the pastor with integrity, the kind of pastor that we say we want, the kind of pastor, the kind of person that we say we want to be around, how about go ahead and get in line and follow the vision and do what he's teaching us to do and do it with our whole hearts, our whole hearts, not half-hearted, our whole heart. Amen. It's a blessing to have a pastor with integrity. Praise the Lord. Are you aggressive in fulfilling your call? Are you passive? It's three categories. Or are you doing nothing at all? Are you just standing still? Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The very uh, life that God is wanting us to live, uh, the life of joy and peace and nothing missing, nothing lacking, all the things that we say we want, Jesus died for it. It was already, it's already been provided for. So everything that we're doing to ourselves, everything that we're doing to our bodies, everything we're doing in the world is not right. Jesus already died for it. So the, the power is already available. We just have to tap into that power and move accordingly. Um, if you are not actively responding to the reasons for Christ's death in this particular scripture, you are not in the will of God. If you're not actively every day striving to give your life to the Lord in a way to where Jesus wouldn't have to die again, you know, that commission did a song uh, long, years ago, and it said, let's not crucify him again. And basically what that, what that song meant was is that, you know, Jesus already gave his life once, Every time we loosely live our lives and keep falling back into the same stuff, it's like crucifying him all over again. So if you're not actively on a daily basis subscribing to the principles of this scripture, thinking about what Jesus died, he, no, Jesus already died from that, so I'm already set free from that, so I'm, no, I'm going to make up my mind and I'm going to do what's right, actively doing that every day. You are not in the will of God, and I encourage you to strive to stay in the will of God. God will not reinforce his blessings in your life if you are not being obedient day by day. So we come to church, we hear the word, and we get hands laid on us, we fall out, we get up, go back, and do the same thing. And just expect God to just do it. And we wonder, like, God, why are you not doing this in my life? Why am I not healed? Why am I not whole? Why is my mind? Why is my children? Why is my husband? Why is my wife? Well, 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 
Are you being obedient day by day? Are you reinforcing the things in your life that you're hearing when you come to church? And so if you're not, God will not reinforce his blessing if you're not reinforcing obedience. The blessing is tied to obedience. Day by day. And I'm not saying perfection. We're not perfect. Christ, the, God already sees us perfect through the blood of Jesus. We make mistakes. But there's a scripture that says, if we sin, we have an advocate. If, and what if, if means just in case. So not, okay, I have an advocate, so I'm just going to keep going and sinning every day as much as I want to, and the grace of God is going to cover me. No, that's a misappropriation of the word of God. That's not what that meant. That's not what grace is for. And then what you don't want to do, you don't want to frustrate the grace of God. See, when I go back to that testimony that I, that I gave earlier, I was frustrating the grace of God. I was taking advantage of God's grace. God has given me all the things that he's given me in my life, and I just thought that I could just decide to do what I wanted to do in that area of my life. I was frustrating God's grace, and he challenged me on that. And I'm challenging you today not to frustrate, frustrate God's grace. The grace is not there to do whatever you want. The grace is there to empower you to do what he's given you to do. That's the real definition of grace. Praise the Lord. That's the best definition of grace. Amen. Embrace the calling and agree with God, but at the same time, be not higher in your minds than you ought not be. Don't think higher of yourself than you ought to. Be sober in your pursuit of God and your call. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. And so one of the things that, that troubles us is that we compare ourselves with other people. I remember when um, my, my girls were younger and they were in school, and I would tell them something. I would give them an instruction or tell them something. And if it was something that they thought, and this didn't happen all the time, just occasionally, if they thought it was higher than they wanted to jump based on what I was telling them, they would say, well, uh, so-and-so isn't doing that, or uh, so-and-so, this girl, she just da 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 they're not doing that. And I'm like, well, so-and-so-and-so, I'm your mama, they're not your mama. So the rules are here, the standards here, so you come up to where I'm saying you need to be. Many times we look at what other people are doing and say, well, you know, well, I'm not doing that. At least I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what they're doing. So I must be okay. And we're looking at people, but this is the standard right here. Uh, not, not what other people are doing. So what is God saying that you should be doing? And it's not based on another person. So you got to do what he's telling you to do. And in the same vein, you can't be looking at other people trying to do their calling 
and, 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 and being envious or jealous of what someone else is doing. You know, there's a divine call and grace on your life to do what he's given you to do. He doesn't give you the same grace that he gives another. And even, now, now there's a, um, there's, a, like Pastor says, there's a commonwealth of grace of things to do. There's a commonwealth of the word and, and things that we are supposed to be doing. But no two people are the same. There are different administrations of those gifts. There are different administrations. How God works through me and flows through me, he's going to work and flow through you in a different way. So how stupid is, is it for me to look at another person and compare myself to another person and say, well, just because what God has gave me is not working through me the way it's working through that person, well, it must be something that what, wrong with the way it's working through me. Oh, no, I'm going to do what they're doing. No, no, no. You glean from other people in knowing that you can do it. You read the Word of God and say, okay, God, how are you wanting to flow through me? And then that's how you set your feet. This, because the scripture says that we are not supposed to compare ourselves with ourselves. And I'm going to say this, you know, I admire Lady Stephanie's preaching ability so much. I really do. Oh, my gosh. She, when I first heard her, and I think I said this as when I gave a tribute to her, she is a wonderful preacher, female preacher. She's dainty and ladylike but she stands flat-footed and preach just as powerful as maybe a man at, at times. I've seen her. Or where she could go that way. And it would be a powerful and it would be effective. But I can't look at that and say, okay, God, I want that. The way you gave it to her. No, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says don't compare yourselves with yourselves. I have to be satisfied and content with what God has given me. And I have to mirror my life against the word and then let God flow through me the way he wants to flow through. That's my supply. What is your supply of the word? What is your supply of the spirit? That's what God wants from us. He wants us to demonstrate what our supply, individually. Why? If you go back to 1 Corinthians in 12, it says, because we are a body with many members that are fitly joined together, and God needs each person in the body doing their function and responsibility. A body with three hands? That's a monster. A body with three eyes, that's a monster. A body with four heads, that's a monster. God knew what he was doing when he passed out the gifts. He knew what he was doing when he gave you to do what you're supposed to be doing. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need our help. When my daughter had that dream, I was trying to rework what God had already said. I was trying to rework it my way. You know, God doesn't, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He doesn't do things, you, you want the end result. You know, this is in your flesh now. You, you want the end result. But sometimes he, do them in such, he does it in such a way and you'd be like, God, why are you doing me like that? Why are you doing it like this, though? This would be much easier if we did it like this. 
oh God, God, can't you see that this way? Look, this would be easier this way right here. Can I just do it like this? Can I just go this way, God? And then the whole time God is like saying, no, no, I told you this way. I told you this way. I told you this way. You gotta be willing and obedient if you wanna eat the good of the land. You can't do it your way. He wants it his way. It's already been designed. It was designed before the foundation of the world. It was formed before the foundation of the world. The will of God was in motion before the foundation of the world. God knows what he's doing. He's the creator. He created you. He's the designer of you. What good of was it, would it be for me to go to Microsoft and try to tell them about their design that they created? I'm not a creator. I'm not, I'm not the Microsoft creator. So why wouldn't I go to Microsoft and find out what to do with their stuff? In the same way, we, the body of Christ, need to listen to God, stop trying to do it our way, and go to the Creator to find out exactly what, when, how, where, who we're supposed to be in the body of Christ. And line up with it. And have a good attitude about it. And be good about it. How about I got my attitude real straight, real quick when that happened? I got myself in line real quick when that happened because otherwise I would have been living my life all of this time and it would have been for nothing. And I'm just not going to do that. So I got in line. And so many times when God gives us stern warnings, we get afraid. No. That's the love of God when he does that. It's the love that, because it's, what he's saying is, no, no, you're getting off path. You're getting off course. No, you get, it's just like your children. You know, many of you in here that have children, when your children are doing the wrong thing, uh, you know, just say they're going out in the street and there's a bus coming. You, you, you run and you grab them and like, no, don't go out there in that street like that. Get back over here in safety. And that's what God is doing to us when he gives us stern warnings. He's like, no, don't go back, don't go out there like that. Get back over here in safety where you belong. And so, don't get afraid when God corrects you or when he warns you. Don't get offended when he corrects you or when he warns you. When your pastor is talking to you or when your life group leader is talking to you and they're correcting you, be okay with it. Because ultimately, it's the love of God. It's the love of God trying to keep you in line with your assignments. And you got to remember that. God loves you. Whom, those whom he loves, he chastises. When you have a child, if you don't chastise them, well, that means you don't love them. Because that child is going to be doing all kinds of stuff as they grow up. They're going to be unruly. They're not going to be healthy. It's just all kinds of stuff. So it works the same way with us. We have the God nature, and it works the same way with us. Amen? Amen. And then my next point was, which I've already talked about that, don't try to take or hijack somebody else's assignment or ride on the coattail of somebody else. That's the old people used to say that. Don't ride on somebody else's coattail. You are to be responsible for getting your own. Get your own assignment. Get your own assignment. Get your own man. 
Get your own children. Get your own church if you're supposed to have a church. Don't come over here trying to tell pastor how to run his church. If you can tell somebody how to run a church, get your own church. Have your own car, your own house, your own everything. You can have your own. You're part of the body. God has made you a part of the body, jointly fit. You have your own. It's already been provided for. Amen. There's no grace for permanent, lifelong mentorship. Okay? So pastor's been talking about growing up. At some point, the mentorship, the ongoing mentorship should end. There's a scripture that says, by now, you ought to be teachers, but instead of being teachers, I'm, you ought to be feeding on meat and, and be teachers. But instead, you're still on the milk of the word because you refuse to grow up. Okay? So God wants us to grow up. The only way that we can embrace the fullness of our calling is that we have to grow up. We got to take the pacifiers out of mouth. We got to do something, do what pastor's telling us to do five times in a row. and grow up. Amen. Second Peter 1 and 10 through 11, it says, Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God, for by doing these things, Actively developing these virtues, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly provided to you. So you are to be sure of your calling. You are to be sure of your assignment. Because... That's where your salvation is. And so, and I'm not talking about only the initial receiving Christ. Um, when you receive Christ, that's just the first step. You enter a life, enter into a life of being saved in the sense of redemption, or, or, or not redemption, but uh, cleaning up and, and, and purity. Um, if I go back to the example that I gave, salvation, salvation. Okay, so I, when, when, when my daughter had that dream, I was born again. I had been walking in the ways of the Lord, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my pastor's wife, raising my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and all of that. Salvation, though. Salvation means that you're being saved from something. So I'm still continuing as I obey the Lord being to be saved in the sense of destruction from the devil. So like that, in that sense, it doesn't end until you get to glory. There's an initial salvation where you get to heaven. It's just like uh, the, the rapture, you know, just because you're saved, just because you've accepted Christ, doesn't mean you're going in the rapture. Amen. 
how you live saves you from what you'll go through if you don't go in the rapture. So just because you received Christ, you still have to be saved from stuff on this earth. It's a continuation process. The church in previous years have duped us to believe all you gotta do is get saved. No, you got more responsibility than that. And the responsibility is there because Christ died. We don't think about what he did, what he suffered on the cross. We don't think about what his hands being spiked with nails really means, what that really was. You know, Pastor, he did, uh, he showed the video about Mary. Um, he, and he showed us that to show, show us, give us some sense of the, how literal it was, the situation. And so when we go in day to day, we forget about, yeah, no, they, they, they placed a crown of thorns on his head and pushed it down till the blood was running down. They, they, they nailed long nails through his feet, through his hands. They speared his side to the point where blood and water rushed out of it. So yeah, there's a price that comes with your initial salvation. Jesus paid the price, and so now you're responsible for doing your part in this body. See, I'm, I was responsible. I'm responsible for doing exactly what God, that thing, those things that he was wanting me to do. That's a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. You're responsible. So, and you're not doing it as a favor to pastor. So I'm gonna use uh, Tamisi as an example. <clears throat> when she joined our church, and I'm gonna use her because she's, she's in my family now and I can use her as an example if I want to. <laughs> so when she joined our church, she came and joined and was discipled because of the call that was on pastor's life. But she married our son because of the call that's on her life. So many times we come in here and we think we're doing, oh, I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna praise God and worship just cause pastor's here. And then when he's not here, I'm gonna be less enthused about the worship. That's eye service. That's not, why, that's not why we do what we do. We don't do it for eye service. It's not about eye service. If she'd have just come to KCOH and gotten in discipleship as only eye service to the pastor, she'd have never married my son. She'd have never qualified to marry my son. And I say that because my son is a man in ministry. That's a qualification to marry somebody in ministry. You have to be qualified. Now, some people, they do what they want to do. They marry all kind of people and then they jack their lives up. But I'm talking about doing it right. 
but that was based on what she did after she was discipled. Yes, the responsibility. So when you come into church and you give, you sow seed, that's going to go to your bank, not pastors. Even though it helps the joint vision, even though it supports his vision and his call, what you do directly affects what heaven puts in your bank account. What goes in your bank account. So you completing your call and destiny is not going to affect pastor. Pastor's already in his calling. He's already doing what God has given him to do. You not filling seats, you not evangelizing, not when you don't evangelize, when you don't do those other things, it affects your call. Those are deposits that you're not making for God to bless you and further your assignment. Because everything he does, he does for a reason. Okay, and I'm saying that because I used to lead praise and worship. That was for a season. God was doing something in me to help me in that season. That's why that was appointed for me to do that. He grew me in some areas in that season. But that's not what I'm called to do. That's not my calling. That's not my main thing. I've never had a dream or vision or word spoken to me ever about singing, although I can sing. The only thing that I've ever heard the Lord say about singing is I've given your voice to you for me. That's the only thing I've ever heard God say about that. But I've, had, I've heard a lot about prophecy, the prophetic. I've heard a lot about praying. I've heard a lot about my position in my home as a mother and a lot of, and some other things. And women, I started having visions about ministering to women when I was 19. So although I'm pastor's wife, I'm not doing that stuff particularly for pastor. I'm doing it because that's my call. And everything that I've done in my life leading up to this point was an investment, and God taught me things to push me to my full calling. And so what I was saying about uh, Tamisi is that, yeah, so everything that she did, the leading people to Christ, bringing people to the church, being obedient to the pastor, uh, or having a discipleship group, that grew her. That, yes, Pastor benefited from the people that she brought. It, it, it supported his vision, but that grew her. And she ended up getting the answer to her prayers because she was doing what God was giving her to do in every season of her life up until this point. So we got to stop thinking like that. We got to stop thinking that just because we're doing this or we're doing that, Oh, we're, oh, I did, whew, I did what pastor said. No, no, that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong attitude. We're doing what we're doing to further our steps in God and get closer and closer in what he's wanting us to do we, so that we can go from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Refuse to fear. You got to refuse to fear. 
that's the first thing you got to do. If you, once you start on the path to um, uh, getting into your, your purpose and calling, you got you to gotta refuse to fear. Not just one time. Because <laughs> you're going to feel fear every time he challenges you. But you got to refuse to fear every time. Make up your mind. Every time fear comes, I'm going to refuse it. Every time doubt comes, I'm going to refuse it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have any parts of it. Um, and I, I wanted to give this, uh, and so you, you might say, well, how, 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 how do you begin to walk out your assignment, okay? You know, God, <clears throat> he gives us these unctions, and a lot of times, because they're subtle or whatever, we just kind of lay back on them. We don't, we don't, we don't, um, we don't engage, but I'm, I'm encouraging you to engage in, in, in those things, um, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I, I, I'm doing if I hadn't engaged in those unctions that I was getting. Now, I'm an entrepreneur, but I didn't start baking. I didn't start off in entrepreneurship baking. I actually started as a cosmetologist. When I was in high school, I took cosmetology and passed it and got certified. I took it my junior and senior year of high school. I'm not a cosmetologist. I don't like doing hair. I hated doing hair. I hated uh, every time someone came and sat in my chair and got up wondering if they liked it or if they was just being nice. It was torture. It was mental torture for me. I hated it because that wasn't quite. But God allowed me to do that. But what it did teach me, it fed that entrepreneurial thing that's in me. It fed that. I learned a lot. So that wasn't quite the thing, but it's a growth process. It's step by step by step. You know, God, didn't, he, he doesn't show you everything. He doesn't show you the whole big picture at the beginning. But you take those unctions and you step out in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And you just go from thing to thing to thing. And he'll begin to tweak. He'll start tweaking stuff. He'll start tweaking stuff. And you'll eventually get where you're supposed to be. I eventually got where I was supposed to be, and that is baking, and then soon mentoring other women in baking. Amen. Amen. Um, another example that I could give is that I knew I wanted to marry a minister, but I did not know that I was going to end up with someone that was so ambitious in ministry. I'd have married a minister that was, if I had, you know, if I was following my flesh. Yeah. I would have married, now hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. I would have married someone that was less ambitious. But God knows, like I said before, God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. So as we follow him and we follow those unctions, it lines us up to be exactly what we're supposed to be. And I, you know, if I, some of those other guys that tried to talk to me, that they were in church, da, 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 I'd have been very bored with them. I know that now. I'd have been very bored. And I would have found out that they did not match me. The man I got matched me, and he knew that when, when I was 15 years old. So he gave me those unctions that led me in the right 
direction because I let God choose. I didn't try to author my own ship and navigate my own ship. I let him choose, all right? And I refuse to fear every time, okay? Uh, evangelism, don't just talk about it, be about it. Get strategic. And when I say get strategic, and this is just a, a side note, um, I have a cousin <clears throat> that I ministered to. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the first one. Many of you know, knew, remember Danielle, the young lady that was coming. Um, she passed away, but Danielle is in heaven. I know she is because she died from health complications. Um, I, I'm sure she died during COVID. She had a lot of pre-existing conditions. And um, I could not get her to go to the doctor for her pre-existing conditions. And so when COVID came around, I think it just got the best of her. That's what I think. But um, the reason why I say I believe she's in heaven is because she accepted Christ. I led her to Christ. She started coming to church, and that girl began to transform. Um, she had never... Uh, lived on her own. She had never had a car. She didn't have a driver's license. She had always depended on other people. Her dependence was greatly on people. She came to my house before she passed away, and she had bought herself an apartment. I found out after she passed away, her daughter and her mom went to the, her house. She had a closet full of clothes half of which was dresses, because she told me that when she got herself together, she was gonna come, on, come to church and sit on the front, way, front row with me with dresses, in dresses and cross her legs, like the other first ladies. And I say that, the reason I'm saying that is because she was, um, she dressed like a boy, actually. And so, but before she passed, we, had, we, we were able to see her transform. Her life was transformed. I have another relative that um, I share Christ with, she, was, she rededicated herself to the Lord. She had been in um, our ministry before under pastor in, in the youth ministry when he was doing youth ministry, but she re recommitted her life and she began to change. And I, I began to see movement. But I'm talking about strategy. So when I got ready to minister to them, I didn't tell nobody what I was doing. It was me and the Lord. I got in my quiet time. I let Lord, the Lord download to me what he wanted me to do and I didn't say nothing. I gave the devil no foothold, no information, no nothing. And every time he told me to move, I moved. And that's what you have to do when you're ministering to people. You have to get strategic. You have to say, okay, Lord, I wanna win them. If it's, if it's your will, if, if they're gonna come, how do I do it? And when God tells you something and when he gives you a plan, you move. Keep your mouth closed. Don't do a whole bunch of extra. Just do exactly what he tells you to do because he knows exactly what they need. And so if you're going to minister to them, he wants you to be successful. He's going to tell you exactly what they need, and he's going to tell you exactly what, they do, what, what, what to do. Now, I'm not saying that every, every uh, case, you'll win every case. Jesus didn't win every case. So it's like uh, pride for me to think that, all will receive me, but you got to go to whoever God tells you. To, the, the scripture says to go therefore and preach to everybody, to everybody. So get strategic in your soul winning. Go back to it. 
All right, so I'm getting ready to wrap up, but some of you may think sometimes, why do I have to fight so hard? Why is there such a hard press? And it's 12 o'clock, and I'm fixing to wrap up. Why is there such a hard press? The hard press is over territory. The enemy is territorial. But doing the will of God pushes us to be territorial too. When you have two people, two current countries, and two entities struggling to gain access and have possession over the same thing, well, that's called a fight. And a fight is not easy. So we're in a fight. That's why it doesn't feel easy all the time. You know, I used to, I would, you know, when I was a baby Christian, I would give up because I'm like, you know, and I, I didn't like, I want, I want peace. Hey, I don't want to, I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to, I didn't want a, a struggle to be there. I wanted things to be nice and easy. In the body of Christ, things are not going to be nice and easy because we're taking over territory. We're trying to take, we're pulling this way and the devil is pulling this way. And so there's a fight, there's a wrestle there. So it's not going to be easy. So Make up your mind. It's not going to be easy. Whatever territory, whatever thing that you're trying to grasp hold of in your life is not going to be easy. The enemy wants territory. In Matthew 12 and 43, it says, There was an unclean spirit. When he went out of the man, the, the spirit walked through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He said, I return to my house and when, from whence I came. And when he, when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So the spirit left the man, and when he went back, he, I mean, when he was roaming, he said, I, I know what I'll do. I can't find a place to go. I'll go back to where I came from. He was looking for territory. He was calling that old person that he came from his territory. The devil is territorial. All right? Matthew 8 and 28, it says, when he was come to the other side of the country of the, I don't know how to pronounce that, Gergesons, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass that way. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him saying, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go into the herd of swine. So they were trying to find somewhere to go. They just wanted a territory. Somewhere to be. They wanted, okay, if you, we can't uh, uh, possess the people, just send us into the pigs so we can have some territory. But God has also given us, uh, uh, made us people of territory. The believers should gain, gain territory. Luke 19 and 12, it says, He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy until I come. That's territory. God wants us to have territory. Occupy means to reside or to have one's place of business in a building. God wants us to occupy. Joshua 1 and 3 says, every place that the sole of your feet, your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I have said to Moses. That's, ter that's a territorial scripture. Enlarge my territory. We say that, enlarge my territory. That's taking over territory. So that's why it's so hard. The devil opposes you having territory because he wants it all from himself and his kingdom.
But the advantage for us is that it's a fixed fight. You are guaranteed to win because you've been given authority. All you have to do is advance, take a stand, and then don't back down. It's already a fixed fight. You're going to win if you advance, take a stand, stand, and don't back down. You have authority because God has given you jurisdiction. And I'm going to give this one last um, example, and I'm going to close. Um, in our home, Pastor, I have jurisdiction of my house in the, in the way of it pertains to decorating and the food and all of that stuff. That's my jurisdiction. So I, that's my, I have authority over that. So when pastor comes in and he says, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and that, and that, and that, I was like, okay. And I roll up my sleeves, and I get to work in my jurisdiction. And pastor will come in there saying, what you doing with the food right here? I mean, there have been times when he have done it, but mostly, he, what is this, and what are you doing with that, and how are you doing that, and what are you doing, and this, and that, and that, and that. So like now, he, babe, however you do it, it's fine with me. That's because that's my jurisdiction. That's where I have authority. So when I'm fixing the food, I say what we're going to buy, what we're going to do, who's going to do what. Anissa's going to prepare this. Christiana's going to prepare this. Moose is going to take out the trash. This person going to, well, when he was there, this person is going to do this. This person is going to do that. That's what I have authority over. And so in the same way, God has given you jurisdiction in your life. And whatever that jurisdiction is, that's where you have authority. So that's what I mean when I say it's a fixed fight because you've already been given the jurisdiction. You've already been given the authority. All you got to do is advance, take a stand, and don't back down. Amen. Amen. So how do I know? How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak of. And he will show you things to come. How do you know? How do you know how to get into this life where you're walking out your calling? It's done through SWMs, what we're calling signs, wonders, and miracles. When you see signs, wonders, and miracles in areas of your life, God is working. That's where he is. That's, that's part of how you can know. Uh, the other, one other thing is your pastor will tell you <laughs> when you're in mentorship and discipleship, he will let you know. Prophetic words and utterances, uh, rhema words, fresh word, manna. The, it's like when you're reading the word, something may leap off the page to you in the Bible and the still small voice. Those are the ways that you get walking in the right direction to fulfill your entire calling. I pray that something has been said today that encourages you, that mobilizes you to get going in the right direction. So, Because not only does God need you, not only does pastor need you, but you need to do it for yourself. And, you know, Scripture says, I had, I had this thought when I was preparing, love thy neighbor as thyself. I promise some of y'all, I wouldn't want y'all love me the way y'all love yourself because you're not doing, you're not taking care of your business. 
You're not taking care of yourselves. So I encourage you, take care of that business and let's get going and let's put our part in building this army that God wants us to be on the earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would bow your head, close your eyes.